This morning, I want you to take your Bible this morning. We're going to take up the Word of God right now. We have the anchor for the soul right here during, during troubled times. This, listen, this anchor, the Word of God, it never slips. You know, you've seen those, they throw the anchor out and then they, 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 they start drifting. And I'm telling you, if you well, this is an anchor that never drifts. And we're going to latch into it today. We're going to trust the Lord for His work during this time and in our and in our lives. So this morning, uh, and I'll, I'll read in just a moment here. I'll get you to our text and say, I'll have you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll be there in just a, just a few minutes. I want to share something today that's been on my heart this week, something that, that we need, something we need as a church. Many in our nation need it right now. And the title of the message is The Eternal View. The eternal view. I have a question for you, and that question is this. What do you see? What do you see when you look out over our world right now? Well, really, what you see is determined by what you believe and how you view God. Now think about what I just said. What you see and really how you respond to what's going on in our world right now is all dependent on what you believe and how you view God. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers, he said something like this. He says, the first thought you have when you think of God is the most important thing about us. Now, I'm going to read that again. That, that is one of the most true statements, most powerful statements I've read outside of the Word of God, of course. It says that the first thought, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you see today? Hope has been described as the expectation of future good. Now, it's illustrated in scripture by Jeremiah. Jeremiah, all these, uh, all the Jewish nation, they're the, the, the going into captivity and the, the great leaders are being taken away into captivity by Babylon. And, and Jeremiah prophesies this verse that we know very much so. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you hope and a future, or a future and a hope. Do you realize that he spoke that uh, 70 years before it was going to take place? 70 years. He was saying to the Jewish people, you're going to get through this. He was saying to the Jewish people, there's coming a day of blessing. There's coming a day. It may look dark right now, but you're going to come out of this. That's what hope does. See, hope has the power to propel us as God's people through every difficulty, through every challenge. But the opposite of that would be hopelessness. Hopelessness has a way of permeating a part, every part of a person's life, a sense of heaviness, a sense of pessimism and despair. A hopeless life is a life of unbelief. I mean, think about the incredible faith that Jeremiah had to have to be able to prophesy 70 years from now. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next minute for that matter, but yet through the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit prophesied hope that there is a future for the Jewish nation. And I want you to know there's a future for the church of Jesus Christ. He said he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail. Yeah, we're in bad times. 
Yeah, we're going through some bumpy roads right now, but we're, we as ministers of the gospel today are prophesying to the church, saying, lift your head up. Your salvation draws near. But a life of unbelief is a negative life. It has a poor outlook. It doesn't have courage or motivation. But the life of hope is a life of faith. It's a life that can see victory beyond the pain, beyond the loss. It's a, it's a kind of people, hope people and faith people and people with an eternal view. They're the kind of people that can see the positive in spite of the mountain that stands there. The Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're not going to be conquerors when everything smooths out in our nation. We are conquerors right now in the name of Jesus. Right in the midst of your prison, you're a conqueror. Right in your fiery furnace, you're a conqueror. And right now in our nation, the church is a conqueror today. You may get better, it may get worse for a while, but I want you to know it doesn't change who we are in Jesus Christ. What we need today is an eternal view. I was watching a newscast yesterday, a, con- a news conference with our president and the coronavirus task force. And one of the things that I love about our president is his incredible optimism. He is an optimist. If you have a negative, he's going to come back and say, oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. He uses that. It's great. They're doing great. It's great. It's great. I love that about our president. And I think we need to be that way as ministers. It's great, it's great, it's great. You know why? Because we serve the great almighty God. We serve the God that is on the throne. He holds the worlds in his hands. And not even death or virus can can destroy the church. Certainly we need to take precautions. I'm seeing two different responses. I'm seeing foolish responses of kids on the beach in Florida at spring break like nothing's happening. That's just dumb. And then I'm seeing other people that are saying the sky is falling. No, it's not. We're going to make it through this. We're going to be fine. Why? We need an eternal view. We need an eternal view. Now, not some time ago, I picked up, you know how it is around the house when when everyone wears glasses. There'll be some glasses laying there. And I picked up glasses and they were Missy's. And so her glasses are so, she's got much weaker eyes than I do. I picked those glasses up and I thought it didn't take me long to know I had the wrong glasses on. Everything was very, very blurry. And I thought about that as I began to think about this eternal view. Do you realize that many Christians have the wrong spiritual glasses on? Many people in our nation have the wrong spiritual glasses on and everything is blurry to them. They can't see the hand of God. They can't see the promises of God. Their faith is weak. Their courage is low. And that we need to get new glasses on. We need to get the Word of God glasses on. We need to get spiritual glasses on today. Ephesians says this, having girded yourself with truth. The girded means you surround yourself and you tighten yourself up with it. What we need to do during this time as the church, we need to surround ourselves with truth. We need to fill our minds with, with truth. We need to fill our homes with truth. We need to fill our hearts with truth. Why? Because that's what's going to make us strong. The, the loins are where our strength is. We need it. We're strengthening the truth today. And the truth is yea and amen. The promises are yea and amen. This hope is a vital principle that we need to embrace today. So we don't, we're not embracing it, Trinity Life Church at least. We're not embracing fear. We're not embracing panic. Sky's not falling. We're embracing God's word today. We're embracing the promises of God. We're embracing the attributes of God. 
One of the greatest books that I've ever read on the attributes of God is by A.W. Tozer. I've mentioned a quote by him. And it's his theology of God on the attributes of God. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God that is at work. And the, and the incredible thing is that he's not far away. He is here among us. We feel him here in this sanctuary with these few people that we have here. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's with us. He's around us. He'll never leave us. What an amazing God we have. I read a story of a man who went to the Smithsonian Institute to see the Hope Diamond. And, you know, that diamond is amazing. It's a a beautiful blue diamond, 45 and a half carats. And one of the guards walked over to the man that was looking through the bulletproof glass. And the man asked him, "What what is this worth? And there's also a Portuguese diamond there. And the man basically said, this is priceless. This belongs to America. We'll never sell it again. It's been, the Hope Diamond been sold several times. Been, but it was donated to America, to the Smithsonian Institute. And he, he said, it's priceless. Well, it depends on what, how you're evaluating things. I would say it this way. It's valuable, but this is priceless. It's valuable on earthly standards But what's valuable to us, we have the riches of his grace. We have an eternal viewpoint and vantage point. We have an eternal perspective. I pray that we will take up today and we'll see beyond the coronavirus and maybe personally in your life, you're not even dealing with that, but you're dealing with another storm. I want you to know you can see beyond it if you'll get an eternal view. God wants you to get an eternal view. He wants you to see. You know, everybody can tell you what the devil's doing. It's evident. But when you're in the middle of the battle, Can you say with Paul, I know whom I have believed. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Can we say that as a church today? Can can we say that at Trinity Life Church today together? Could we just in our hearts and in our mouths just say, I know whom I have believed over Trinity Life Church. This church will be built. Our finances will be met. We serve a God that can rain manna from heaven. He rained manna every day, six days a week for 40 years for the children of Israel. Certainly he's a God of more than enough. That's the God I'm looking for. And that's what I hope that you're looking for today. We have something. We have the riches of God's grace. We have an eternal vantage point. Now listen, anyone can tell you the problem. Anyone can tell you the evident. You know, when you're sick, no one has to say, oh, you're sick. Well, nobody, like a scientist to figure that out. But what what it takes, faith, when the person is sick, or the, or, the, or the lack is there, or the difficulties there, or the fiery furnace is being heated up seven times hotter, or you're in a den of lions surrounded by ferocious lions. Nobody has to tell you, well, you're in a lion den. You're in, no, but it takes a person that with an eternal view that can say, I'm in the lion's den, but he'll shut the mouth of the lions. I'm in the fire, but he'll quench the fire with Holy Ghost. He'll give me a Holy Ghost asbestos suit if he has to. We need a different vantage point. We need a vantage point, a spiritual vantage point. We need an eternal vantage point because our God wants to give us that this morning. You know, in the pagan world, there was, there was a plethora of gods. 
the Roman gods, Phoenician gods, Babylonian gods, Egyptian gods, Greek gods, Roman gods. There were gods of war, of industry, gods of agriculture, gods of city, gods of town, every god, every kind of god you would want. But there was one god that they never had. There was never a pagan god who was a god of hope. Not one. Because in the pagan world, they, they despised hope as some kind of delusion. They had a very limited view of eternity. But I want you to know, we have the God in Scripture that is called the God of hope. We have the God that wants us to see beyond even corona, beyond earthly life, all the way into eternity that God will have for all of us one day. Our source of hope is God. Our vantage point is God, our vantage point is God's word. And we're standing in the grace today, are we not? We're standing in the grace of God. Romans says this, through whom we have access by faith into this grace. Notice this, in which we stand. We stand, in this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We stand in this grace today. Notice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's beyond this life. That's beyond trials, storms, persecutions, troubles, pressures. Beyond all of that, we rejoice today. We rejoice. What are you doing? Are you depressed? No, I'm rejoicing. We have, I, wish, I wish all the church could have been here today. We were so happy in this place today. We were so we were rejoicing. We were having fellowship with our video team. God bless our video team. God bless our worship team. God bless our staff team. God bless everyone. And we even have an extra that we let in because he brought donuts. Well, we let him in anyway. Brother JR is here. We're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. I'm telling you, we're going to make it through this. Can't be conquered. We cannot be conquered. Because we stand in the grace of God. Remember this song? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen to this. When darkness veils his lovely face, I'll rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy day, his anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We're standing in Christ today. What do we need? We need an eternal view. That's what we need. We need another vision. We need more than just an earthly vision. We need more than someone that can just speak of problems that we're having. We need someone to give us the answer. We need someone to give us clarity, and that someone is God Almighty, His Word. When you put the gospel glasses on, when you put the Word of God glasses on, you don't, it's not blurry. It gives clarity to all of life. It gives clarity to time. It gives clarity to eternity. It gives clarity about who we are, what our, you know, there's a great identity crisis in the world today. People think one thing, and it's ridiculous. But I think there's an identity crisis in the church. We have forgotten who we are. We have the wrong glasses on. Sometimes we have unbelief glasses on. Sometimes we have, sometimes we have glasses of, of confusion on. Sometimes we have glasses of doubt on. But what we need to get is word of God glasses on and get a clarity of our vision of who Jesus is, who God is first, and who we are in him. And what his call, what his purpose, what his will, what his design is for the human race and particularly for us 
who know him and are in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. We need the eternal view. We need our minds renewed. Now think about this. When I talk about the eternal view, pastor, are you telling me that I need to kind of have some kind of mindset that I kind of have my eyes or my mind and my thoughts in the in eternity and you know and 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 just kind of heavenly so so heavenly minded that I become no earthly good well first of all let me address that have you ever met anyone too heavenly minded I've never met that person in other words have you ever met someone too close to God too full of his word too full of his glorious thoughts I've never met that person I'm sure not that person but what I know there is this that becoming heavenly minded doesn't create someone that's so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good but what I find out is a heavenly mindset maximizes earthly usefulness when you become heavenly minded you become an incredible tool in the in the hand of God you become, when you become heavenly minded, and instead of becoming less fruitful or less productive for God, you become more productive and a greater blessing to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need a heavenly mindset. We need that today, don't we? So, we have a lot of people today with a limited view of life or a wrong view of life. In Corinthians, he said this, if we have hope in this, in this life, if we have hope in Christ only, then we're of all men most pitied, most miserable. No, he's saying there's something beyond this life. We need a vision. We need 2020 vision. So what do we do here? What's God saying to us? Is there a word from the Lord? Is there something that we can do? Well, let me, if you would take your Bible, we're going to pick a few thoughts out of 2 Corinthians 5. And our thought today is the eternal view. This message is about the eternal view. This is, this is a message and a preaching and a proclamation about what happens in our lives when we get the eternal view, what it does in our lives. The first thing it's going to do is it's going to reassure us. It's going to strengthen our faith. Paul, in these first few verses of 2 Corinthians 5, he's reassuring us of some things. He's reassuring the Corinthians, and, and we get in on it. The first thing he does, he gives reassurance about the present life we're living in. See, if you don't have the scripture view, the eternal view, you don't understand what this life is about. You don't understand it. And then trials and storms and things come and you're confused because you don't have God's vantage point. But so one of the things that having a vantage point, an eternal vantage point, a scriptural vantage point, is it brings tremendous comfort. Now, look at verse 1 in this chapter. I'll just pick through. I mean, there's a lot here, but... In verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent. So Paul calls your body a tent. He says, if this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. So what Paul is addressing here is he is addressing our earthly lives. He's telling us what it's like. Here's what, Christian, here's what your life is going to be like down here on earth. It, you're going to live a tent life. Now, when you think of a tent, what do you think about? I know my dad and I, I think my dad might be watching. One time my dad and I went down to a place called Auburn. We don't speak of it much. We speak of Tuscaloosa more. Or anyway, I won't go there. But we went to Auburn and there was a state park. Then we went and, and we, we camped out in a tent. 
And I remember it was really cold. What, what do I know about a tent? What I know about a tent is that we didn't live in the tent. We just hung out there for a day or so. Why? Because by nature, a tent is meant to be temporary. Abraham lived in tents. Why? Because he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. What I want you to know, what Paul wants us to know, what God wants us to know, really, is that our earthly journey is a temporary one. See, what we have is, is we, have, we have people that are holding on to something that's not going to last very long. I mean, we're, we, we treat this earthly life like we're going to be here 10 million years, and we may not be here tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings forth, nor do we know Jesus could come. This would be a great time for him to come, but I, I predict that he probably won't come because we got work to do. There's people that need Jesus, and they're going to die without him unless we reach them. We got work to do. I want to go to heaven, but we see James calls our life. He said it's like a vapor. It's like a vapor. One of the one of the blessings of this coronavirus. You say a blessing. I think if there's any silver lining in this coronavirus, is people are beginning to think about death. They're beginning to think about eternity. There are people that were, you know, mostly it's touching the elderly, but there's been some younger that have been hit with this. And, and it's amazing how these kinds of things can cause us to think about our mortality, that we're not going to live here forever. We're not going to be here forever, but we're going to leave this life. And listen, we're going to spend eternity somewhere in heaven or hell. I know hell is not a popular term anymore. It's offensive to people to think that, but the Bible is clear, and Jesus preached more about hell than anyone. Why did he do it? Because he loves us. That's the eternal view. How do we get ready for eternity? I thought I would just stop in this sermon. Just, I want to stop a moment, because maybe there's one watching, or maybe there's two watching, that you're saying, I'm not ready for eternity. How do I get ready for eternity? One is that you need to know that every person without Jesus is a sinner and that every human being that's ever lived has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We violated God and we, we were separated from him by our sin. But second thing you need to understand about God's plan of salvation is that there is one plan and that one plan is that God sent his son to redeem us. Jesus is salvation. And that thirdly, that God offers you salvation and he offers you his mercy and his grace. Do not say I've sinned too much. Do not say I'm too wicked, I'm too bad. Oh, if I go to church, the roof will cave in. I've heard all that kind of nonsense. No, 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 no. He's not willing that any should perish. The most wicked among us, even the chief of sinners, Paul, said God had amazing patience and mercy. And the way you receive Christ and his salvation and secure your eternity is you receive it by grace and through faith you receive it. And I want to stop and just pray right now and say, Father, I pray that if anyone is watching or ever will watch this video, that in the name of Jesus, they will say I'm a sinner and that I need a savior. They will say, Lord, forgive me for the way I've lived and the things that I've done. Have mercy upon me. And they will pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know you're the only Savior. 
and I confess my sins to you and I express my faith in you. I turn from sin and I turn to you and I embrace you and I embrace your cross and I embrace your grace and I embrace your mercy and I pray that you would come into my life. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God is raised from the dead and the Bible said whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Receive salvation today. There's a place at the table for you in the name of Jesus. Another thing that we know about this tent life is it's temporary. And in the tent life, if you look at verse 2 of what Paul said, there's some groaning in the tent life. That's, that's the eternal perspective. Eternity of perspective gives us understanding about what this temporary life is all about. Look at verse 2. For in this, in this tent, in this life, in this journey, we groan. What do we groan for? Earnestly desiring to be closed with our habitation from heaven. We groan down here. What is that? That's earthly trials. The whole world is going through a trial right now. I read where one family had like three or four members of their immediate family die from this coronavirus. Just absolutely breaks my heart to think what that family is going through. That's a trial too big for anyone. They need God's grace. Jesus gave us his eternal perspective on life. And he said this, in this life, think about it, in this life, you shall have tribulation. It doesn't mean that every day we have tribulation. It doesn't mean that every day that things like this happen. But what Jesus is saying is this, as we live for Christ at certain seasons and times, there's going to be groaning times, groaning seasons. And then in this chapter, quickly as we move along here, as we live along in this tent life, one of these days, now think about this, one of these days, these tent stakes are going to be pulled up. It's not, it's not permanent, but these tent stakes are going to be pulled up. How do we know? Look at verse 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians 5. 3 and 4, it says, If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. See, you're not a body. You're not a body. You possess a body. You're a spiritual being that will live eternally somewhere. You, you, are, a, you are a spirit. You are a soul. You possess a soul that lives in a body. And it says one day we're going to be unclothed from this tent, from this body. In other words, your spirit and soul, the real you, the real you is going to leave and be separated from the body. And this tent, these tent stakes in this temporary house are going to be pulled up one day. You say, Pastor, are you afraid? Absolutely not, I'm not afraid. Why? Because I have an eternal view. I was in Jerusalem not long ago. And I had the privilege of going in the very tomb they believe was the tomb of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I went in there, and it was a very surreal moment. He is not there. His bones are not there. He is not there. The angel said, he is not here. He is risen as he said. Do we understand that all of us are going to pull up these tent stakes one day. All of us are going to have to face and walk through the portal of death one day. But what we need to know is that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has 
paved the way. He has conquered death. He's conquered hell. And he's conquered the grave. You and I are not going to be left in the grave. There's going to be, listen, there's going to be a great getting up morning one day. And all that are in the graves are going to meet Jesus in the air. What a day that's going to be. One of the things that we know right now, Paul, as, you, as I read this, you, you, you saw here where it says in verse 2, earnestly desiring. That's, that's that longing that we have for our heavenly home. We long for, see, if you've ever been walking in your tent life, this, this earthly journey, you're going through your day, going through your week, going to church on Sunday, going to church on Wednesday, going, going to whatever meeting, seniors meeting, youth meeting, whatever, and you're just living your life. And then all of a sudden, at certain times, you have this desire that builds up. And you may say something like this, I long for my heavenly home. I long for heaven. I'm tired of this groaning down here. I get tired of these trials and these storms and these pressures down here. Do you know that's a natural desire, a natural response for a child of God? Paul said, I desire to be clothed further. I don't want to be unclothed. I don't want to just die. I'm not just wanting to leave this world, but I want to be clothed. I want to get a new body. God's promised that. What we know, look at verse 6. For we always are confident knowing, notice while we're at home in the body, this tent, we're absent from the Lord. Verse 7, notice this, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What, What you need to see is this, at this time as we're in this tent life, in this earthly journey, we're unable to see Jesus face to face. So we live by faith. We can't see his face. Paul saw him. Others saw him. The apostles, of course, saw him in his earthly life. Few may be seen it after his resurrection. He appeared to some. But most of the multitudes of millions and millions of Christians that ever lived have never seen him face to face. But we live by faith. Now think about this quickly. Look at me. Think about this. Focus in here. That, that we live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. We can't see Jesus face to face right now. But therefore, it says this in Hebrews. It says, faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Whoever had evidence of things not seen? Who would ever go to a court case and the, and the judge say, well, let's see your evidence. Well, it's here, but you can't see it. The judge would say, you're completely nuts. Well, the world thinks we're nuts. But listen, that means that we live, Christians I'm speaking of, live by unseen realities. We live by unseen realities that we can't see with our eyes. We can't experience with our physical senses, but they are more real than anything you can physically see in this earth. And how are they realized? What evidence do we have? What, what, how do we visualize these unseen realities? And I have it right here. This word of God enables us to see the un, unseen realities of eternity. These are the gospel glasses that gives us a view correctly of who God is, who we are, what the world is like around us, how God relates to the world, what God wants for the world, and what eternity is like. 
We see him through the word of God. Look at verse, look at verse five. This is a very important verse. Notice this. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Here's one of the blessings. Here's one of the blessings. Now, let's, as I close this message, here's one of the incredible blessings that we're in this tent life, where this tent life is temporary. And one day we're going to pull up these stakes. Sometimes in this tent life, we go through groanings, we go through difficulties. How are we going to make it? How are we going to be sustained? Notice what he says here again. He says, God has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You know what God's done? He's given us His Holy Spirit to help us during this tent life. You need to see this eternal view. When the Spirit of God is within you, you're able to understand the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is your most accurate teacher. Now think about this. The assurance of salvation does not come through some minister trying to persuade me. I've seen ministers trying to convince people they're saved. I need no minister to convince me that I'm saved. So the question is, where does the assurance of salvation come from? It says here, the Holy Spirit has been given as our guarantee. Do you realize that you have an internal witness and it's the person, it's him, it's a person, the person of the Holy Spirit, witnesses of this incredible relationship with Father. I believe in eternal security. I have eternal security. Now, not unconditional, but conditional. The Holy Spirit witnesses my security. I am secure in Jesus today. If you know Jesus and your body in him, you are absolutely secure today. This is what Romans says. Romans 8. In verse 15, for we, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of God in us leads us to cry, Abba, Father, assurance. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. Oh, we may be in perfect we have blots and blights that the Lord's working out, but I want you to know the blood of Jesus Christ has reconciled us to the Father. And right now, no matter what our, as a child of God, no matter what our condition is, our position is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, some in the body of Christ are more mature. Some have overcome more. Some are longer in their journey. But no matter who you are, you may be the weakest child of God among us. But if you, if you just keep your eyes and your faith in the Lord, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And listen, he who had begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, I, I just got to say one more thing before we have a little prayer time. Look at this. E security. Our eternal security. Look at what Ephesians 1.13 says. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice again, who is the guarantee? Now, who's the guarantee? Holy Spirit's the guarantee. Not some preacher trying to convince me. Holy Spirit is my guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His great, glorious grace. What, what in this time, I close this message, and I'm going to close it this way. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching, our church family, what, what we really need right now is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Whatever, what we need, what every one of us need is a new touch of Holy Spirit. We, that's where our strength is. Our strength is not in our willpower. Our strength is not in our own determination. Our strength is not in some choleric personality. But our strength is in God. The Lord is the strength of my life. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Today, I'm going to have a prayer. And I'm going to ask God, wherever you are, to fill us and fill you and all of us with a fresh touch from His river. Remember I read the verse as we started? We're going to draw out of the wells of salvation. Those wells are filled with Holy Ghost anointing, Holy Ghost power. And that's what you need today. We desperately need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We desperately need to, to shake off fear, not to have panic. We need both, we need both common sense wisdom and, and we need faith in our God. God gives us both this. That's the answer. During this crisis time, the answer is common sense wisdom and, and faith. And so right now we're gonna pray. We're gonna begin to pray. We're going to have a time of worship as we conclude our service today. Don't miss this time. Right there where you are, if it's, con if it's in a place where, where you can just shut yourself away, maybe you're there, husbands and wives, or maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're in your car watching, maybe you're in the, a bedroom on an iPad or at a computer somewhere, or on a phone somewhere, but wherever you are, we're going to meet together right now at the very throne of God. We're going to meet together in the presence of God. And at the pre in the presence of God through prayer, there's mercy and there's grace. That means pardon is mercy, pardon, forgiveness of sins. Grace is provision. And he's provided his Holy Spirit to us. I want you to begin just to worship right now. Father, we worship you. Thank you that our Jesus is the great baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he, Jesus, baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would come on you. You say, I've got power. Well, you don't if the Holy Spirit hasn't come on you. It's only after the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus said, Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So right now, I agree in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit is going to come on you, that God's going to fill you with His presence and power. It's going to drive out all depression. It's going to drive out pessimism and unbelief. It's going to drive out panic in Jesus' name. God has not given you and I a spirit of fear, but power, Holy Ghost power, love and a sound mind. And so, Father, right now, fill us with your presence. Right there, right there where you are, begin to pray in your prayer language. Begin to pray. Maybe you've never, ever prayed in the Spirit before. Maybe you've never had the overflow of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know it's real. I've experienced it in my life for over 30 years. 
I want you to know God wants to fill you. He wants to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. So right there where you are, just say, Father, fill me. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. See, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Lord, fill me. And then you have to stop speaking English. You have to stop English to move into the prayer language. And what God gives you, just begin to pray. Maybe you haven't prayed in your prayer language in a long time. Go ahead and release that prayer language. Let rivers of living water begin to flow right now in the name of Jesus. Put on strength today. Be filled today. Be filled today. Stephanie, let's let's worship a little bit here. Let's worship our Lord and our God. Thank you, Jesus. Right there where you are, worship. our strength. He is the one that 
keep us close to God and, and living a life of victory. And I also want to say one more thing about that, and that is that your children, it is, it is vitally important that our children, our young men, our boys and girls, young men and women, receive the Holy Spirit or as early as we can lead them in to the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It will make all the difference in their lives. Make that a part of your goal. It's the part of our goal as, as a church. It's part of our children's church goal, children's ministry goal to lead our children into the great baptism in the Holy Spirit. They need that. That's that keeping power. Now, what I would like to do is, I know we had some prayer requests that came in online. I don't know how many, maybe just a few, maybe many. But we're, we're, we are, they're going to put these up here. And we're going to pray for these. And if you're watching live right now, I want to send one very quickly. We're going to pray over these needs right now. We're going to pray for Stephen's house, safety. We're going to pray for provision for Jason, Brother Jason. And, and I think we need to pray for the businesses of our church and the, and the jobs of our church. Pray for these. Father, we lift up Stephen in his house. We pray for safety in moving across country. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would dispatch your angels, which you said in Hebrews 1.14, that, that would be ministers of the heirs of salvation. Lord, send forth your protective hand with Stephen and prepare blessing for him along the way. Lord, we pray for Jason's business. We pray for other businesses in the congregation and, and, and uh, jobs and positions. Lord, that you would continue to sustain your people that you would meet every need, oh God, that we have, and that you would begin to continue to send business. And Lord, we know, we know this won't last forever. We're gonna make it. And, and our life and our economy will get going again. We pray for our economy. We pray for blessing, Lord, on our economy. Lord, that it would get going again. Lord, it was running so strong before this attack. And we pray once again that you would bless us, give our leadership in this nation guidance and blessing. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to pray a blessing on you. As you go, we'll be back live again on Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. Please join us. What I would say about this, we're going to monitor this. We're going to be monitoring, listening to national, state, and local leaders, health officials, of course. And I want my prayer today is that we would, that the Lord would mitigate this virus. He can mitigate it. He can slow it down. He can, where it would be worse, he can mitigate it where that it wouldn't be worse as were as bad. He can do that. Our God is able. We, we know that. And so we need to pray that. But we'll, we'll be, uh, I'm sure, a week or two or three here, maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying that's for sure. We don't know how long we're going to be having service like this. But, but we need to gather together. And so those that joined us, we thank you for joining us today. And if, if you're on Facebook, share this, send it out. Maybe someone else needed this. Share this out far and wide that we can continue to share the love of Jesus with uh, as many as possible. So Father, today I pray a blessing on your people. Lord, I'm sad that we could not gather in the same place, but Lord, I do pray for your blessing. I pray for mercy and grace. I pray for health and protection. I pray for provision. Lord, I pray for the fruit of the Spirit that as we are locked in together, sometimes tensions can get sharp. And I pray for a love. I pray for a patience in all of us that will love our families, 
our neighbors, our friends. Oh God, give grace. And now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may the love of God and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all in Jesus' name. God bless you today.